Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. And I have another $70,000 in equity, so $30,000 plus equity plus asset without having to use a penny of my own money. Are you ready for the best real estate investing advice ever? Join Joe Fairless and today's best ever guests as they share it with you. It's the best ever advice with none of the fluff. Let's go. Heard of crowdfunding and still curious about how you can benefit from it? Well, we've got a step-by-step guide put together just for you by the best ever team and patch of land, the industry's leading crowdfunding experts. The best crowdfunding crash course ever, episodes 152, 159, 166, and 173 will provide you all you need to know to get started and begin benefiting immediately. Whether it's getting access to funds for your project or passively investing in other people's deals. The time is now to get started with Patch of Land. Go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever to grab your copy of the top 10 answers to the top 10 crowdfunding questions. That's P-A-T-C-H-O-F-L-A-N-D.com forward slash best ever. Hello, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless and I'm here with today's guest, Elijah Rubin. How's it going? Doing outrageously blessed. Thank you, Joe. Wow, what a wonderful, what a wonderful way to feel, outrageously blessed. I love that. That's the first outrageously blessed and I've done over 270 of these interviews. Well, anytime you're dealing with the best ever listeners out there and the best ever host, Joe, you have to feel blessed, right? Oh my God, my heart is melting right now and I know their (laughs) hearts are melting too. (laughs) Elijah is joining us from Phoenix, Arizona. He has completed over 400 transactions and he sold over $300 million worth of real estate Interestingly about him, and this is real estate related, I usually do interesting fact non-real estate related, and I know based on uh, my brief conversation with him, I'm sure he has many of those, but interesting that real estate related is he is also known as the fire damage king, and I fully expect you to tell some sort of story about that and what your focus is on. So with that being said, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate that. Um, like you, as you mentioned, like I've, I'm, I'm a Phoenician. Um, my mother's from Trinidad. My dad is Jewish and I'm a hundred percent real estate investor. And I've, like I said, I've literally in 10 years of doing business all in Arizona. 
I've, like I said, I've done it all from door knocking to doing auctions to doing short sales, loan modifications, fixed flips, commercial deals. I've done a lot of it and saw some of it that works really well, then other parts that I saw, you know what? It's not the best use to my time, my skill sets. So I have a lot of trial and, <laughs> trial and learning lessons I've learned over the past decade. And um, I kind of stumbled into some unique niches of doing some city violations, probate, and fire damage as one of my main focus niches I specialize in at the moment. Well, let's talk about that. You basically just opened up the encyclopedia of investing and said you've done it all. And that's incredibly fascinating. But I haven't heard of city violations and fire damage being a specialty. So can you elaborate on that? Sure. And so basically, um, when I like so when I first started out there, I was doing properties at the auctions and whatnot. And my dad brought me to um, I got a chance to talk with the rabbi and his sister, I guess, husband passed away. And he asked me, Elijah, do you do probate deals? At the time, I wasn't sure quite what probate meant, but I knew it was opportunity. <laughs> and so I'm like, sure, let me look into it. So I started doing some probate deals, started realizing um, although they're free and clear, which is good because the life insurance sometimes pays off the mortgage, what ends up happening is that they don't have to do anything. There's no real urgency. The kid lives in uh, New York, doesn't have to fly back to Arizona to deal with the property. So sometimes it just sits there. Well, fast forward a year later, I started seeing that these homes that I was tracking on a probate, they started getting trash, shrubs. Um, graffiti. And so the city will send a city violation notice saying, hey, Mr. Homeowner, if you don't fix this up, this $500 worth of trash and graffiti is going to turn to a $5,000 abatement. And so I saw that there's an urgency right there. So I started tracking city violation notes for free and clears. And that's I started really started getting some traction, started doing a lot more of those because those gave me the indication that there's urgency because I, like I said, I buy uh, my fa- my three favorite words are free and clear and urgency. I mean, I like helping people. I like creating win win situation and being a people's champs. But I want to talk with somebody who's eager into hearing a solution or ready to deal with the problem. And so I started doing more of those. And then about two years ago, I started realizing the city violation deals. A lot of these properties started catching on fire. And people party in there. Other people are setting up all types of operations inside there, <laughs> catching on fire. And so I started realizing, hey, these properties are catching on fire. I could do something with these. And when I met a, one private claim adjuster, he kind of explained to me the multiple ways we could get paid on a simple property from the insurance aspect. And then I, like I said, I was able to kind of connect the dots and see that you could help out the homeowner buying in a new property. I could buy the property, fix it, flip it, wholesale it. And then there's the insurance piece where I could bring a private claim adjuster to the table, help the homeowner get more than they initially was promised, and then have them assign over their back-end claim um, where they only get if they rebuild it. Well, I'm going to rebuild it so I can have them assign that over to me and make even additional profits on the deal and give them a percentage of money that they would just walk away from. Pretty intricate, but is unbelievable, ultra-exclusive niche. Wow. Okay. I understand those first two. And I actually, I understand all three, but you're going to, if you'll humor me, go through the third one with an example, because I understand you help them find a new property if there's fire damage, or you fix it, you flip it, and you wholesale it. Makes sense. 
but what's the third? And can you give a specific example, like a case study? Absolutely. I love going over these specific parts now. Um, so I had this deal I just did in, on 87th Avenue in Thomas. It was called Monterosa, um, West Valley in Arizona. Um, so I'm going to go back for one moment so it makes more sense as I explain the case study deal. Let me explain the insurance, how the insurance policy is set up. Okay. When you have an insurance policy, all right, I mean, if a house catches on fire, it's one of the worst tragedies you could possibly imagine. And there's a lot of people out there who are at the house. I mean, you, you got the board of people, you have the fencing people, you have the insurance companies, you have the fire department, temporary housing. You don't know who's who. You're just trying to get back to normalcy of life. So a lot of times these homeowners are shell-shocked. And when the insurance company is offering claim payouts, they're usually only giving them about 80% of their policy limit, um, expecting them not to dispute it. So um, I'm just going to go real estate 102 real quick. Um, houses, Mr. Smith house is worth 100000 well, the insurance company is only they pay him out eighty thousand on that appraisal value of a hundred thousand. Now, if you look at the appraisal, the cost to build approach might be a hundred and fifty thousand. But most homeowners don't know what appraisal value is, let alone where to look for cost to build approach. So the homeowner is getting shortchanged substantially, but they don't know it as yet. And so, what happens? Mr. Insurance company says, "All right, we're gonna give you eighty thousand." Well. When they say 80000 they split that check up into two separate checks. The first check, they're going to get about 80% of that payout, so they're going to get roughly 60000 And that's the first check they get. They buy a new house or they uh, cover living expenses, get uh, new vehicles, whatnot, or start rebuilding the house. And that second check, that second check is called depreciation. It's roughly about 20% of your back-end policy. So that second check, the depreciation check, roughly about $20,000 of this example we're talking about, they only get that check if if they rebuild and restore the property. Well, 35% of most homeowners don't rebuild the property in this situation. They simply leave that check on the table and walk away because they don't want to deal with having to rebuild it, wait six months to get certificate of occupancies and try to rebuild everything out. Well, once I heard that, like I said, my yamaka tilted. <laughs> I'm like, what? People leaving money on the table? <laughs> so I decided to definitely, I, I could, I realized how I could have them assign that over to me and I could give them a percentage of the back end claim because I'm going to eventually fix this up and clean it anyways. So I give them some money versus no money and have them assign that to me and that offsets some of my costs. So now that we understand how depreciation check works versus a regular check, now let's bring it to the case study. So this property on Monterosa, um, I have an ebook. Um, says basically is how to survive a house. Your guide for surviving a house fire. Have it on Amazon.com. Well, I put on e uh, on my Facebook, and somebody basically a claim adjuster passed it to him. So this guy's in San Francisco. Says Elijah, I heard you're the fire damage king. My house caught on fire. I already got um, about roughly about eighty thousand dollars from the insurance payout. The house is worth probably about. 130, 140,000. And it's only a partial fire damage. And he's like, well, let's see what you could do, Elijah. I have $16,000 of depreciation. So he had $80,000 first check, $16,000 on the back check. So basically what I did, I seen the property. I'm like, okay, I like the property. Um, well, there's one other investor who was comp- um, competing offers against me. 
And so once I got a chance to talk with him, I'm like, well, I was around 30,000. The investor came in around 35,000. He's like, Elijah, he's at 35,000. What can you do? So I told him not only would I match the 35,000, but I knew I had one card up my sleeve that most investors who aren't aware of this niche couldn't play. I told him, what if I give you, uh, what if I give you 15% of your depreciation check as part of this deal? And once I rebuild the property, you get another check whatnot. He, he absolutely loved it. He's like, Elijah, that's creative. Um, this is a way for me to get some of the, that check that I'm just leaving on the table. Nobody's even mentioned this. You're the only one who even thought about this. However, he wanted that check up front. <laughs> <laughs> of course he did. Oh, of course, exactly. So I was able to talk with him and um, just increase my offer to 38000 And so we signed contracts at 38000 He signed over the $16,000 depreciation to me. And I end up within, what, three days, maybe three days max, sold the property for 50000 And so, like I said, once I was able to sell the property for 50000 I mean, pardon me, I sold the property for 60000 So the property for 60000 made $22,000 without even having to fix up the property. And I had $16,000 of depreciation. And so the person who I sold the property to, the investor, I just let him profit share, gave him half of the profits for their insurance claim on the back end. So he's going to get 8,000. And once he's done fixing up the property, I'm going to get another 8,000 on top of the 22 I made without using any of my own money. Plus helping out the client. I got a testimonial letter on my wall saying what a great job he did. I did for him and that he referred me to other people for the future. How long does it take to fix up the property? I I know it's different for everything, but to fix up the property and then to receive that depreciation check, because I imagine the insurance company needs to receive or have proof that it's it's been built back up. Correct. And that's a and that's a good part that you're really highlighting there, Joe. Um, because they are gonna wanna they gonna wanna verify receipts for material and they wanna verify receipts that a general contractor labor cost actually did the work. And so they're gonna wanna verify all that before they cut a check. Because remember it is a business and if they don't have to cut that check, they will do anything possible not to. Um, so you want to make sure you have all your ducks in a row for sure. On average, depending if it's a total loss or if it's just a, um, a, a subpartial loss, um, you're looking on average between three to seven months from start to finish to get the contracts in place, get your certificate of occupancies, your permits, your planning and structural engineering reports you have to fill out. It sounds a lot harder than what it really is. It's just more paperwork. But you just want to make sure you have everything in place, but it's absolutely worth it for the dollar amount you could get. This is a fascinating approach. I've never heard of it. And you almost need like a flow chart. <laughs> like I, I, I'm taking notes, but I'm thinking, dude, I, I should be like drawing things out on a piece of paper to like follow the trail. Here. <laughs> There's so many if then scenarios. How... How does somebody begin to, well, I guess buy your ebook, right? Number one. But how did you learn the, these, this process? I've never, I've never heard of this. And I'm sure there are best ever listeners like, how the heck have you not heard of this? But I haven't. And, and I've interviewed a lot of people. So how, how did you learn this? I always, I mean, my grandfather taught me at a young age, look for the void and fill it. And I, I remember when I talked to a couple of my clients and I just saw, um, how much they were being taken advantage of from the insurance company 
how they felt helpless, how they weren't sure who was going to be there as a people's champ to advocate for them, how they would be more than willing to pay out a side fee to have somebody make sure they're getting the full amount, make sure that they're, um, if there's any other options available for them that's being disclosed to them, and is there any way to make this time in life that much faster and easier to fast forward? So I just started off on the wholesale side, just looking at the properties. And then when I started seeing that, I could bring a private claim adjuster to the table and he could get them between 80 to 130 percent more than what the insurance company initially offered them. And that he only gets paid on any new money he finds for them. So if he doesn't find anything over that initial dollar amount they offered him, they don't pay him anything. However, about 85 percent of the time he finds more money. And, and only one in five family members even use a private claim adjuster. So I seen that there's a big void there. And I started kind of connecting the dots. And like I said, I mean, I see, I, I hear problems, but I see solutions. And I started connecting the dots and, hey, I can help out on the wholesale side. I can help them locate another property. I can bring my private claim adjuster to do a supplemental claim review and find out if they were ever underpaid. And if they were underpaid on a supplemental claim on the first check, that means it's underpaid on the second check, that depreciation that I could capture. And so I figured out how to get three to four checks on one opportunity. So I'm making really nice high equity area type property profits in rough, tough areas, helping out the common guy and really being a people's champion. How many of these homes are there in Phoenix? And that's the crazy part about this niche, because I thought like, what, maybe one fire every six months. There's two to 10 fires a day, Joe, in Arizona, two to 10. And with global warming taking precedence, this niche will become more and more prevalent as the years come. For areas like Detroit, where there might be vandalism or, or just bad areas, is that covered by insurance? Is that part of, is that categorized in this as well? Where, you know, if it's, ar- it's for, I guess what I'm asking is if there's arson, would that be included in this? And that's a solid question. And I'm glad you asked that too. Um, there, it varies state to state. In Houston, they make it a lot more difficult to abstract the insurance money. Um, and like you said, Detroit, there's certain coverage you, you have to have. Um, so it, it does vary state to state. It's not a blanket one, one stop shop covers everything. However, there's many ways to peel the onion. You have to find out what the policy limits are. I mean, you want to make sure some of these clients, if they're having a property that they're fixing up and it's going to be vacant, make sure they get the vacant policy. Um, sometimes certain clients don't realize they need to get code upgrade insurance. So when they rebuild the property that they bought in 1970, well, it's 2015 now. There's been code upgrades and you should you should be paid for those or you should get them as part of your policy payout as long as you have the coverage. So I think there's just a lot of miseducation out there, um, especially for those underserved markets where, yes, there is insurance coverage. Yes, there is a chance for them to shop the additional insurance policy profits out of this, but they have to kind of go through it with a fine-tuned comb and make sure there's not out. Because like I said, the insurance company, although they're, they're there to try to help you, it is a business and they're there to protect their bottom line. And if that's a difference of you getting a max payout or them being able to keep additional profits on the table, they're going to keep the additional profits on the table, unfortunately. There are a lot of takeaways, but if somebody has a fire at their house, God forbid, but if it happens, are the two takeaways, one, to make sure that you get a private claim adjuster, and then two, to look at the cost of build approach 
versus other types of appraisals because the cost of build might be the highest? Exactly. So first thing I'm going to look for, like you mentioned, I didn't get a chance to really highlight it. I want to verify that's not arson. If it's arson, I step away from those. There's just too many uh, moving pieces. But there's a there's a plenty of reasons why properties catch on fire outside of arson. As long as the fire marshal rules out arson, especially by the homeowner, like I said, that's the only time I kind of just rule those out and don't really get involved. Um, but getting back to your highlighted points that, yes, you want to definitely get a private adjuster on the table, someone who's advocating for your uh, best interests. It's kind of like getting in a car accident. Me, me and you, Joe, we get in a car accident. I hit your car and I say, hey, well, I'm going to have my attorney look at both of the damages and he's going to say, what's the number sphere for you? Well, that's not really what's in best for you because you don't want my attorney kind of covering both of our numbers. You want to make sure somebody who's kind of protecting your back end interest. And then, like you said, you want to look at your appraisal, your cost of build approach. And if you have a contractor or you know of a contractor, have them give you a bid because from day one, right when the insurance company gets that call that there's an actual claim, finally, after 10 years of you paying your insurance policy premiums, then now it's time for them to finally pay out. They they deny, they defend, and then they try to decline. Those are the three Ds they go through. Deny, defend, decline. And then at all else, because what you have to realize this is a good piece to understand too, what a lot of private claim adjusters know is that the insurance companies, they're too big to fail. You see an AIG, they couldn't go under. They're too big. And so it's never really a dollar amount to the insurance company, which a lot of homeowners think it is. If I ask them for more money, if I go after this additional income or this additional profits that should be paid to me, they could drop me from my policy or I could cause issues. They are not your parents. It is a contract and you are owed X amount of dollars and the insurance company don't care about the dollar amount. They really only care about the time that policy stays open because the longer these policy claims stay open and they don't close out, the insurance rating could get dropped. And if the insurance ratings drop low enough, they go out of business. So they rather and my, and my most private claim adjusters understand that they're going to say, hold on a second. Joe, your your State Farm didn't pay you. This is 2013 tile they're using. This is 2014 shingle. This is um 2011 uh, uh, plates for your outlets, conduits. And so he's going to go back and say, hold on, now all these items we want these at 2015 pricing. This is the average medium. You're off by 23%. We want a check for this amount, or we'll litigate it. We'll take it to court if we have to. And once they see you're taking that approach and you have contractor bid numbers supporting you, you have material costs supporting you, and then you have an advocate spending hours negotiating on your behalf, the behalf, they'd rather make a check and have this headache go away because they're going to make it up on the other four homeowners who don't have anybody advocating for them. Elijah, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? I say having polite persistence has got me very far in my career. But more importantly, I don't buy houses. I really buy urgency. And if you kind of look at it from that perspective, I think that will allow you to really start identifying other opportunities in your market. And I think having your house catch on fire, there is no other urgent matter other than that. But I know that uh, I buy urgency is a lot deeper than the house fires. I know it's about motivated sellers, right? Exactly. And when they're really, when they're at that point, where they're really ready to take that next steps. I want to be that person to really help them see it through. And like, and, and with, the poli- with the polite persistence, most people, they get told no once or twice. That kind of shuts them down. 
I mean, in my business, I don't even hear no until the seventh no. You know, I hear it for the first six no's. All I hear is, can you please say it a different way so I can say yes? Don't give up on me yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I hear. I love that. I love it. Every no gets you closer and closer to a yes, right? Absolutely. And you have to really see it. And you have to know you have to go through that no to get to your yes. So then you don't have such a bad feeling to when they say no. It's, it's They just want you to say it a different way so that they can say yes to you. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Let's do it. First, a quick word from our best ever sponsors. Crowdfunding. You've heard about it, and now it's time to learn about it. Our best ever sponsor, Patch of Land, is a leading expert in the crowdfunding space, and they've got all the answers to your crowdfunding questions. Go to patchofland.com forward slash best ever and grab your copy of the top 10 answers to the top 10 crowdfunding questions. That's P-A-T-C-H-O-F-L-E-N-D.com forward slash best ever. Empire Industries provides frustration-free property management by investors for investors by managing your tenants, toilets, and turmoil. Invest in the hottest market in the country by contacting them today for two months free management fees. Call them at 888-866-6727. Best ever book you've read. Best ever book I've read, I have to say, Napoleon Hill, 17 Success Principles. People do business with people they like. He really highlights why so how to make yourself more likable more favorable and how to attract opportunities in your world best ever personal growth experience and what you learned from it um i would say getting involved in other mastermind groups in my local market was really big for me i first i wanted to try to do everything like to be a one-man band type of person but i really started understanding the fastest way to be successful is really being around other successful people who are doing things in a bigger and better way process than you're doing it right now because what you're able to do not only can you learn not only can you learn from them but and get deals but you also get referrals you get contacts and most importantly you get insight on how they dealt with that specific situation or that specific opportunity you dealt with and learning from their past mistakes will save you time money and effort so you don't have to duplicate those mistakes best ever deal you've done best ever deal i've done um, this goes back probably about four, yeah, about four years ago. I got a pro big deal in Central Phoenix um, that was worth roughly about seventy thousand um, dollars. The son inherited the property, didn't want to deal with the tenant, didn't want to deal with the property. It's a really good area of town. I got the property for five thousand dollars. I was surprised that I got it at first, but I, once he signed the contract, I knew it was real. Um, I brought a joint venture partner in on the deal. He um, basically paid $15,000 for the property, and then he put another 15000 into the deal himself to repair it. And then he, uh, once we, everything was repaired and beautiful inside there, he brought one of his private money lenders um, to, uh, to refi the property at 50000 for us, where we were able to split some of the cash flow for the last three years. And now the property is worth about 130000 So to recap that, I made $10,000 up front, I made about $10,000 on the refi, and then I did ten, made about $10,000 over the last three years in um, just cash flow, and I have another $70,000 in equity, so $30,000 plus equity plus asset without having to use a penny of my own money. Best ever project you're most excited about right now? I'm really in the process of morphing myself into becoming the fire damage king. Where I want to, where I'm going to be the number one fire damage expert in America in the next two years. Well, I'm still, I'm still working on getting my cost to conversion ratios all figured out so 
I'm going to franchise my model out there and start keynote speaking and offering others to not just do real estate anyway, but do real estate my way under this ultra exclusive niche and bring it to the masses so we all could each one teach one type of environment. You got my vote, my friend, for that title. I will gladly punch my ballot and have you as that name. (laughs) I appreciate that. I'll take that. Best ever way you like to give back. Best ever way I like to give back. I like to really be, I'm a fan of each one, teach one. There's, I work for my mindset of abundance, not a mindset of a scarcity. So I, I do a little uh, networking events where I have investors, as long as you have your own organic deal, we go over deals. I do success talk times on Sundays with an investor or, or guys who've seen other deals I've done or reached out to me around the country where I give them 10, 15 minutes, we go over uh, things they want to stop doing, things they want to start doing, and things they want to continue doing, and really hold them accountable to that, and really try to add add value everywhere I go, and really try to leave people in a better position than how I initially met them. Best ever quote. Best ever quote. Discipline is doing what needs to be done when it needs to be done, specifically when we don't want to do it. That's how you build a muscle, right? Absolutely. Get that muscle going. <laughs> What's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate? Not connecting with Joe earlier. <laughs> no, <I'm joking. laughs> Starting with flattery and ending with it, and I love it. I'm soaking it up. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, honestly. Um, probably um, taking action. I, I was a little slow to take action initially, and um, I thought I needed business partners. I realized you could partner up with people on deals or even on projects. But unless they're really elevating you to the next level where they have more knowledge, more context, more funds, more opportunities than you, you really don't need any partners, especially if you're willing to take consistent action. Because from taking consistent action, opportunity usually follows between behind that. And so I kind of got in some bad partnership deals to begin with. And luckily, everything worked out. We're all everybody's fine. Everybody's happy. But I, lo- I probably lost three to four years of wasted time trying to partner up on deals when I really didn't have to and need to at that time in my career. And lastly, what's the best ever place to reach you? Best ever place to reach me. Um, you can reach me on, you can go to my fire damage website, which is fire damage property, az.com fire damage property, az.com. You can get my ebook on there for free. Um, you can always reach me via email at Elijah, E-L-I-J-A-H, at Win W-I-I-N-L-L-C, two eyes in the middle. Or more free to re- welcome to call me, 602-753-8289. I'm always about connecting and trying to add value to like-minded investors and entrepreneurs of all walks. What about FireDamageKing.com? Someone already take that? Well, they had, I'm in negotiation trying to get the FireDamageKing.org. Uh, Somebody had dot com. Um, I can't believe somebody had it on me. I was pretty hurt. Yeah. <laughs> but I might end up buying a out. Maybe it's like a fire damage prince or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> royalty, right? Yeah, royalty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's Or God. How about that? Fire damage God. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very religious lady. She'd give me whoopings from here on to the next day if I did that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'll I'll stop the brainstorming now. (laughs) Well, this has just been a wonderfully enlightening conversation on a topic that I knew nothing about. And I suspect 
with the best ever listeners. It, it is a new topic, if not a new topic, then a topic that we went way deeper into than what they've ever gone before. And, you know, some of the takeaways, we, we kind of already talked about it, but when you have something happen to your property, first you verify it's not, well, that, that's when you're looking for properties. But first, if you have something happen to your property, make sure you have a private claim adjuster and look at the cost of build approach. As you mentioned, your take with insurance companies are the 3Ds, deny, defend, and decline. Um, and really, really interesting insight that you mentioned is they're concerned about their insurance rating and they want the policies closed up. They want it to be resolved. And so I've actually had a private claims adjuster on the show before and it just reinforces it's a it's a no-brainer get a claims adjuster because they don't get paid unless they make you money i mean that is the best type of business partner you talked about partners that's the best type of business partner if i'll go into partnership with you but only if you make me money well okay uh, sold you know how, how many how many more of you are there you know and what other industries are you in sure sure well, thank you so much. This has just been fantastic. Everyone go check out his ebook, Your Guide to Surviving a House Fire, on his website. And the website is right now fire fire damage property Yes, fire damage property Whenever I was typing it out, I see fire, then I see damage. But I so I was like, wait, fire, a manager property? Okay. <laughs> manage the fire through the damage process <laughs> right there you go well thank you so much elijah wonderful conversation glad to have you on the best ever show sharing your advice with the best ever listeners and we'll talk to you soon by all means i really appreciate it joe i appreciate it to all the best ever listeners for listening and i i look forward to hearing from anybody out there i love getting feedback once again i'm honored to be able to have this opportunity hey you best ever listener do you want more then go to joefairless.com, where you'll get tons of free videos, templates, and content to help you get deals done. And remember to subscribe to the best ever show in iTunes, so you can keep getting your daily dose of the best real estate investing advice ever. 